Welcome to Refuge. Ah, it's good to be here. It is awesome to be here. It is uh, truly wonderful. You know, I, I uh, uh, last week there was a strong exhortation, wasn't there? <laughs> and that was all something that the Lord had laid on my heart for us. And I pray that that uh, the the Lord reminds us of that very thing that we're here to hear from Him. Uh, we're here to worship Him. Praise him, but we are his people. We are a people who are devoted and committed to his glory. Uh, shall we not be those people as he has given us and he's shown us uh, his love through his son, Jesus Christ? Right? So we love because we first were loved. That's the reason for that. So we're here. We're here to uh, sing his praises, to glorify him. Uh, a few announcements before we get into the message. Uh, we have a foundations class coming up. So what we need is uh, we have an interest sheet for you to fill out. If you haven't gone through the foundations class, um, let me explain to you what it is. It's, a, it's a, a class that goes through the basics of our faith. And uh, it's important. It's actually required uh, for you to serve here uh, to go through that foundations class. We, we haven't had one in some time, uh, primarily because we've been going through um, all of the ups and downs of COVID, and, uh, and so we, we haven't had these classes, but we have them scheduled for September 13, 20, and 27. Uh, so September, we have those three Sundays that we've set aside after service to come together and go through those foundation classes. So if you haven't gone through them, I highly encourage you to go through um, that class. Um, really, not only will you find out exactly where we stand in our doctrine, but then also it's very important for the church to know where you stand in doctrine as well as you come and serve, especially if you go into, like, let's say, for instance, the children's ministry and teach. We want to make sure that we're all on the same page and teaching the same doctrine. And, uh, and so that's, that's what we have. So please sign up today at the information table. We also have a Christmas program meeting coming up on Sunday, August 30th. That is going to be following service. It's an informational meeting for anyone who's interested in, in participating in this year's Christmas program. So um, all the details, all the questions that you have for that will be answered on that day. So mark your calendars for that Sunday, August 30th. We also have a family barbecue scheduled for August 29th. And that's happening at Hunter Hobby Park, uh, Saturday, August 29th at 4 p.m. So mark your calendars for that. That that will be a great time. Uh, we also have a uh, youth pool party coming up. Um, it, that's this Friday, August 21st at 6:30. Um, so we're opening up our home, and our pool is uh, is available. We're making available, but just make sure. It is for those who are uh, uh, between, uh, well, from 7th grade to 12th grade, so that age group. Uh, but make sure you RSVP, sign up, so that way we know um, how many to prepare for. All right? So, <clears throat> if uh, w- would you like to come and swim? Especially with this. Uh, who would like to come and swim? At the, you're not. I'm sorry. Are you still in the 12th grade? <laughs> I'd like to go swim. No, I think we'd all like to do that. But anyway, it's going to be a great time, so make sure that you sign up. All right, so with that, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter, where are we at? 15? Yeah, Acts chapter 15. 
All right, the title of this morning's message is uh, A Dispute and Division. Uh, it's, a, it's a very familiar text. It's something that uh, if, if you've uh, been around for any length of time, uh, you, you're very familiar with. It's, uh, it's when the Apostle Paul and Barnabas had a dispute uh, about John Mark. And it was this dispute that uh, caused a division between Paul and Barnabas. And we know that Paul and Silas went in one direction, and Barnabas and John Mark went in, in another direction. So we have this. It's, it's a strong contention. It's, a, it's really a serious argument that they had between each other. Uh, and, uh, and, and we'll kind of take a look at it with different uh, views, different perspectives, to hopefully get a good understanding of what we're dealing with. Uh, but we see this strong dispute, and we do see division coming from it. But we'll go beyond the di- dispute, and we'll, we're going to go beyond the division. Um, that way we, we also understand what happened after, after all of this took place, which is something really important for us to, to really grasp, to understand, because the application of all of this and what we learn through it is what's really important. You know, as, as uh, I come up and teach the Word Really what we're looking for, and I, and I hope that you expect it in yourself, is a response. We're looking for a response to the authority of God's word. As we learn, we're not here just to gain knowledge. As Jesus was talking about uh, many times, the difference between someone who is a genuine believer walking with the Lord and one who's just going through the motions is, is the difference between someone who just has knowledge, head knowledge, and the other person who has a wisdom that is in the heart and who is willing to humbly submit to the authority of God's word. And so that's what I pray for us this morning, that we would do that very thing. Heavenly Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing. Guide and direct us. Give us, Lord, uh, Lord, ears to hear, hearts to obey, and a willingness to follow through with that which you teach us this morning. Lord, may we apply it all to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's uh, begin by reading Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches." Abandonment breeds distrust. To abandon is, uh, is good to define. It means uh, to cease to support. To leave without intending to return. To give up completely. It also means to condemn someone to a particular situation or difficult circumstance 
by ceasing to take an interest in them. In other words, just when things begin to get difficult, this is a person who leaves another and leaves them to deal with it by themselves. This is all describing an act towards someone else. It's it's our own action towards someone else. Is anyone here familiar with abandonment? I think a lot of people are, right? Unfortunately, I am in, in many ways. One is very significant for me, and it affected my life for many years. I've talked to you about it. I've, I've told you what, what took place at a very early age as I was going into my teen years, and that was true abandonment by a man that I looked to and trusted. Since then, you know, it's, re- it's, it's even now difficult, but, but at the same time, you know, I've gotten past that. Because being abandoned by your father is... Uh, is tough. But that has long-term repercussions. It, uh, it impacts how you live your life. Who you're willing to trust. Many people who you're willing to not trust. Always looking for someone that you can look to. Hoping that you can trust. That you can have faith in someone once again. Desertion goes along with abandonment, at least in the way in which we're speaking of it this morning. Desertion is a military term. It speaks of abandonment of a military duty or post without permission, such as... um, A pass would be permission. Liberty would be permission. A leave of absence would be permission. It's leaving, abandoning our military duty or post with the intention of not returning. Desertion is the intent to avoid hazardous duty or shirk contractual obligation and is similar to missing a movement. Missing a movement is when a member of the armed forces fails to arrive at the appointed time to deploy with their assigned unit or ship or aircraft. It's like the whole unit is ready to go, and you miss that moment of departure. That is missing movement. Please, I, I want to just set in motion a, a picture of how it is that we can do it. Sometimes what we're going to look at isn't necessarily physical, but it could be mentally and emotionally, a detachment by which we too can be guilty of this very thing that we're going to look at. Desertion or abandonment can happen in several ways. Well, this morning, as we consider the issue of John Mark's choice to leave the missionary team on their first journey and return to Jerusalem, we'll be faced with various perspectives. One was the perspective of Barnabas. The other one was Paul's perspective. But we also have the church's perspective. And one that we have not considered, nor have I heard really, is John Mark's perspective. So we're going to ask questions in regards to those perspectives. And 
and really see if we have the right perspective. But there's one last one that should be the perspective that should be considered above Paul's, above Barnabas's, above even John Mark's, and that is God's perspective. We'll also be looking beyond this incident to see if anything perhaps has tra- had transpired beyond this particular event. Was there reconciliation? That's something very important for us to conclude with. Was there restoration? Did the ministry continue? Because initially this issue caused a sharp disagreement and a division between the brethren. Ultimately, the question that we ought to ask ourselves, did anything good come out of this? So we'll take a look and we'll see what took place. Three things, very simply, favorable, unfavorable, and division. We're going to see a favorable stance toward John Mark, an unfavorable one toward him, and then ultimately this division, but then beyond the, the division, the conclusion of this whole matter, because it didn't end there. So let's take a look. Again, verse 36 it says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. We begin by learning that Paul had a thought. He had a desire and he shared it with Barnabas. You see, he wanted to return to all the cities that they had visited throughout Cyprus and throughout Asia Minor. And, and he wanted to go throughout all each and every city. City, it's, it's, it's expressed here as I want to go city by city to see how the brethren are doing, to encourage them. And so he shared this with Barnabas, this thought, this desire that the Lord had placed in his heart. On their first missionary trip, they had gone to proclaim the gospel. And on this second missionary trip, what they were doing was they were going to do something different. Not to necessarily, not that they weren't going to proclaim the gospel, but they were going to strengthen the brethren, to encourage them, to come alongside them and see if there was any way that they could help them in their walks with the Lord. It's David Guzik who said that Paul had both the heart of an obstetrician and the heart of a pediatrician to bring people into Christ and grow people in Christ, to see them grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Paul had a pastor's heart. He desired to see people come to Christ, but he also desired to see them grow in Christ. You know, we can't just lead people to Christ. We need to come alongside them and disciple them, to roll up our sleeves and help them to learn how to walk with the Lord. And Paul wanted to do everything he could to make sure that they were doing well and to assist in any area that they needed help in. You know, um, if you don't know, perhaps I can tell you that for me, I am accessible. Some of you know that. Um, after service, before service, um, even during the week, um, if, you, if you don't have my contact information, I'd be more than happy to give it to you. I, I don't fear that. It may be troublesome at times, but... Uh, <laughs> you guys okay? All right, okay. <laughs> but I do open myself to that. 
because I'm, my concern is for your spiritual growth. And I do care about you. It, it, I don't just come on a Sunday morning to stand behind a pulpit and encourage you and teach God's word. I don't just do it on a Wednesday. But I desire to help you and encourage you in God's word day in and day out. And if there's any way that I can serve you, please let me know. Well, Paul had the heart of a pastor. Paul wanted to extend himself to them. Now, it's implied by Barnabas's response that he agreed to return to each city to strengthen the brethren. But there's one other thing that he wanted to do on the second missionary trip. He wanted John Mark to go with him. You could say that at this moment, you know, as Paul shared his heart and was encouraging Barnabas to go with him, and he invited him, you know, hey, let's go to all the cities that we had gone to and encourage them and see if there's any way that we can help them along in their walk with the Lord. You know, and, and like he heard that and Barnabas was like, yes, let's do this thing. Let's go. You know, and, and by the way, let's take John Mark with us. I can just imagine Paul. <laughs> Paul kind of, I, I believe he got a bit serious at that point. Not that he wasn't a serious man, but he... He just like, it must have been one of those things to where, moments to where he it just got quiet. You see, John Mark had joined them in the first missionary trip, but he left them and returned to Jerusalem from Perga in Pamphylia. In Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them. And return to Jerusalem. Now, in that verse, it, it doesn't give us any details. We don't know exactly why it was that John Mark left them in, from Perga and to go back to Jerusalem. You see, they had just gone through Cyprus. They were proclaiming the gospel. They were going into, into the Jewish synagogues, and they were seeing people come to Christ. And, and then they left there, and they went across the Mediterranean Sea, and they came to Perga. And just at that moment where they were, when they were going to go into the mainland... You could say, John Mark left, and he went back to Jerusalem. There was much work to do. A lot of ministry before them. And you can say at this very moment that they were just getting started. When John Mark decided, I'm just going to go back to Jerusalem. And he was not going to continue with them onto Antioch and Pisidia. Well, it's obvious that Barnabas didn't see a problem with having John Mark join them on this missionary trip. Uh, let me remind you that Barnabas and John Mark were cousins. We know that Barnabas was a man that was not only does his name mean encourager, but he was an encourager. I mean, it fit to a T. He was uh, someone who was, uh, was very trusting, you could say. A, a man who was always willing to stick his neck out for other people. And, and this is who he was. He trusted people more than others did. I see Barnabas as being a man who gave people second chances. He was someone who encouraged others to get up and keep going. He was a brother whom you would love to have around. 
when you're feeling down. Remember also that he was the one who looked for Paul, brought him to the brothers, and encouraged them to trust Paul. Back in Acts chapter 9, in verse 26, it says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, this was after Saul, at that point, had escaped from Damascus because they were seeking his life, says that he attempted to join the disciples, that is, when he came to Jerusalem, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And so it was uh, Barnabas who had encouraged, who had endorsed, who had um, you know, stuck his neck out for Paul. And it was because of Barnabas that Paul had an open door to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. And so we know that they had a special relationship. That is Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas' life had a, you could say, a lean toward encouragement. It seems like that was how he was wired. But we all know that not everyone's wired that way. For one reason or another, that's not how everyone is. Now, this is not to say that this was better than someone who is more cautious and reserved toward others. A strength, if left, if left unchecked, can become a liability. Always remember that. Sometimes we, you know, when you go to an interview, oftentimes they ask you, just to see how it is that you're going to respond, tell me about your strengths and your weaknesses. And the things that we believe are our strengths, we can explain and communicate very well, but it's those very strengths that can become a liability as we rely on them, not understanding that when we, we rely on them blindly and they're left unchecked, they can become a liability. Well, you can say that at this point, Paul checked Barnabas because he pushed back on his suggestion to bring John Mark. So verse 38 says, But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So, of course, this is the unfavorable view. Uh, Paul's perspective was not a little different from that of Barnabas's perspective. Not only was it different, but it couldn't have been more opposite. It was in direct contrast. Paul was definitely opposed to the idea of bringing along John Mark. He made a, an emphasis on his perspective. Where he stood was made very clear by the Apostle Paul. Why? Why was he so against Barnabas's idea, his suggestion of bringing John Mark on this trip? Well, we need to take a look at Paul's perspective. You could say that the work on the island of Cyprus was the warm-up to the ministry ahead of them, and they were in mid-stride when John Mark decided to go back to Jerusalem. It's kind of hard to, to stop and pivot when you're in mid-stride, isn't it? If you've never tried that, oh my goodness, it is so difficult. 
I'm talking about misread. Like when you're, you're, the next foot that's going down isn't even down. And, and, and you're, you have to turn. You have to pivot. Oftentimes you're, you're sent head over heels. So we can be certain that Paul did not agree with the reasoning for John Mark leaving them. Can't we? We can be certain of that. It's not implied. It's, it's explicit. He was not happy with that. He did not agree. We, we don't have the reason. When, when, when we go back to Acts chapter 13, verse 13, we don't see the reason for him leaving. But whatever it was, the Apostle Paul said that was not good enough. It did not justify him leaving, whatever the reason was, to leave them there in Perga and go back to Jerusalem. Because Paul regarded John Mark's departure as it's described here and defined by the Apostle Paul as abandonment and desertion. John Mark, according to Paul, left his assigned post and left them high and dry, only to enter into the battleground without someone that they had initially planned on helping them, trusting in to advance the gospel. You see, they had the team together. Hey, we're all good? We're moving forward? We're off. You actually came to the time of departure, John Mark. You left with us. We were in the middle of the battle. You had agreed, you had committed to going through with this completely. And in mid-stride, according to the Apostle Paul, he withdrew. It was an abandonment. It was desertion. doesn't say that he left due to family, a family emergency, and I'll be back if I'm able to. We don't have any of that. We, we don't have the actual reason, but we know that Paul disagreed. Well, for most, the consequence of abandonment and desertion would be a loss of trust. Wouldn't that be logical? You know, if you, if you, if you had been abandoned, um, there was desertion. Wouldn't that be the logical conclusion? That it, I mean, you would think at that point, listen, it, it's hard to trust someone, right? Because how can you rely on someone who, a second time, whom you were counting on to enter into a difficult situation the first time, and they withdrew? Leaving you to deal with the battle alone or without their support and direct assistance. Sometimes... This distrust of others can be built over time, though. It's not just a one-time event. You know, it's time and time again. It doesn't have to be so, so clear and so severe as this. It can be something to where we're detaching ourselves time and time again. It's like, can, can we count on you to come and be a part of what we're doing? You know, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever the endeavor is that you've taken on, and you're moving forward with that team, and there just seems to be one dude that just you can't count on, is making excuse after excuse why it is that they, that person, you know, cannot come along, cannot help out, not fully engaging, not fully following through what they had initially committed to. Small last-minute withdrawals 
lead up to a consistent inability to trust someone to be there when needed. But Barnabas was determined to take John Mark with him. He was. But on the other hand, Paul insisted they were not going to take him. And he stated why. He said exactly why. Because he believed that John Mark was a deserter who could not be trusted to follow through in his role, specifically on the team. Why bring someone you cannot trust? Why, when you cannot be certain, they will have your back when in the middle of a work? Imagine someone assisting you in climbing. And they're your safety. And they decide in the middle of the climb, I'm leaving. <laughs> You're half, halfway up uh, the side of a cliff, you know, and they're gone. Oh, man. It may be that the relationship between Paul and Barnabas was strained a bit by what happened when Paul confronted Peter and Barnabas. Something, another element to kind of throw in there. Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul gives us a few details of what happened in that event. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? You can say that Paul put Peter on blast, right? He confronted him. But Barnabas was there, and he was doing the same thing that Peter was doing. And so there was this little thing that happened. Yes, it was directly with Peter, but Barnabas was there, and he was part of what Peter was doing. And you can say he confronted Barnabas as well. In an indirect way. With all of this, though, the question is, who was right and who was wrong? But, but pastor, you know, ministry still took place, didn't it? Didn't, you know, Paul and Silas go in one direction and Barnabas and John Mark go in another direction? Well, wasn't this something that actually worked out? And the answer is, yes, it actually did work out. God's providence is wonderful. His grace is amazing. His mercy is with us always. In what perhaps we mean for evil sometimes, God will turn it around and he can turn it around for good. We know many situations in the Bible that point to that very thing. Had John Mark proven himself between then and now? Perhaps. But not in Paul's eyes. But Barnabas was fine with him. He didn't have any reservations with bringing him along on this planned missionary journey. Well, division came. Verse 39 says, And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. 
And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Two friends, two fellow missionaries, they've gone through a lot. They're brothers in Christ. And they had this sharp disagreement. And they went their separate ways. We see here that Barnabas and John Mark went to the island of Cyprus. And Paul and Silas went in a different way on what is known as Paul's second missionary trip. We can see here that there was a difference in who the church supported. So through the eyes, the perspective of the church, we can see some support for one of the two groups. Barnabas and John Mark, is said that it is said that they had simply left and sailed to Cyprus. That's how it was described here. But Paul and Silas, well, those two, it is said here, they were commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So there is a difference. So you can see in the church's eyes, they were, you could say, agreeing with the Apostle Paul. And so they commended Paul and Silas, and they went off. The question is, though, we should always ask, what could have been done here? What should have been done here? Because let me ask you this. Were Paul and Barnabas justified in this sharp contention, in this sharp disagreement, because of what, what, what had taken place with John Mark? Were they justified? Was this okay for them to do? Is it okay to, to have this type of disagreement and to have division among the brethren? No. Because God desires there be no division. When is the Lord blessed and glorified? When the, when the brethren dwell in... Oh, is it unity? It's in unity, right? Listen, I admire the Apostle Paul. I think he is a great person to imitate in Christ. But let me also say something else about the Apostle Paul. He wasn't Jesus. He wasn't perfect. We have this situation. And it's not an example that we ought to emulate, right? To where there's this sharp contention. There's some other elements that we need to consider in light of the situation. Because this does not justify Christians having sharp disagreements. What Paul and Barnabas could have done, perhaps they should have gone to the apostles and the elders. Hey, listen, we have this, this disagreement about this. They, they could have gone to someone, right? Receive counselors, uh, receive counsel from people who could speak into that, to, who could stand by as, as perhaps judges to judge the whole situation and, and just like figure out, what, what can be done here to salvage this, to move along and glorify the Lord? Because remember, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. But when you fail to submit yourself to the authority of God's word, then you end up taking your own counsel. And things like this could happen. And you often come to a moment of regret. You oftentimes do. If you're taking self-counsel, and it is in opposition to God's counsel. 
and, and you're walking with the Lord, at some point you're, come to, you're going to come to a moment of regret. We don't know exactly how much time passed before the relationships were reconciled, but let me, let me give you some good news. They were reconciled. They were restored. I want to show you examples of that. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul writes, Luke alone is with me. And this is a wonderful statement right here. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for ministry. Oh, if we could only learn. The, this whole situation is very personal to me. That's why I hope that we can, some, some of you know, many don't, but um, my hope, my desire always is that we would learn from this. We would know what God desires, that he desires to, uh, for reconciliation, for restoration. That if there is division, that those things would be dealt with. The sooner the better. If there's division between you and someone else, and you acknowledge it right now, it's revealed, quickly go to that brother or that sister and be reconciled. Do everything you can. Because it shames the Lord when you allow that division to continue. That contention, that bitterness, it grows into bitterness and your heart can get jaded. I'm just sharing, I I wanted to make sure that we knew what happened beyond the contention. Beyond the sharp disagreement between these two. Colossians 4.10. Caesarius Starchus, this is the Apostle Paul writing. 
Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And then in Philemon, Philemon chapter 1, well, there's only one chapter, verse 24. says, and so do, well, it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Did John Mark prove that he was genuine? He did. He did. Did John Mark repent and seek forgiveness and reconciliation? Or did Paul repent and ask John Mark for forgiveness? Which one was it? I would tend to think that it had to do with both coming together and being reconciled. What happened in Perga is behind us. John Mark, you're given and devoted to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the work of the ministry. You have not given up, neither have I. As the Apostle Paul, you know, and I'm just thinking, they just came together and they put those things behind. Knowing the Apostle Paul and his writings, he had to come to a place of repentance also in that division that separation that came between them two. And they were both willing to humbly come before the Lord and submit to his authority in their lives. I just read three different areas of the writings of the Apostle Paul that tells us that their relationship was reconciled and it honored the Lord. Humble yourselves, confess, repent, and be reconciled. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what our perspective is if it's not God's perspective and when it's in opposition to his word. The other perspective we haven't seen, besides God's, as we're going to conclude, we have seen God's perspective, but is John Mark's. Think about it. We saw Barnabas's, and we saw Paul's, and we saw really the church's. What about John Mark? Let me ask you this. Does it really matter? And the reason why I ask that is because we are servants of the Lord. We are always insisting on others understanding our perspective when we should only be given to seeking and understanding and applying God's perspective. Here we have this argument with one person in the middle. No one asked John Mark? It's okay. Because in the end, we all need to see the manner in which the Lord sees it all. Really, that is the question we always ought to ask and desire and follow through with when we know it. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 
Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In Luke 17.3, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. The work of reconciliation cannot happen without humility, confession, repentance, and so we come to know reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ with the message of reconciliation. First and foremost, I pray that you would know God's grace and love, that you would surrender your lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you believe that he died for your sins, rose the third day from the grave, and has ascended to the right hand of the Father, if you believe in him, then turn to him and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. For us, as we're walking with the Lord, let's learn to see things through God's eyes and have his perspective and love each other, be unified, and have each other's backs through and through. Amen? Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Lord, even Peter, you you had told him at one point that Satan wanted to sift him and Lord, he got a sifting. We told him that after, after he was restored, repented, and came back, that he was to strengthen the brethren. Lord, I pray that we would be mindful of ourselves. Lord, that we would be encouragers to one another, just as Barnabas was to the Apostle Paul and so many others. That we would encourage others Lord, to walk in the grace that we have been shown through Jesus Christ. I pray also that as we considered Paul, and how it was that, yes, there was a division, there was a sharp contention here between Paul and Barnabas, but later on we see how he was reconciled to John Mark. I pray that for us, that perhaps that reconciliation would come quicker, sooner, today. Lord, with those that we have division with, if there's any ought between the brethren, Lord, let it be reconciled today. And so we look to you. We ask for your courage, your confidence, and we humbly ask that of you. For we are in desperate need for an infilling of your Holy Spirit that you would go before us. We thank you, Father, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.